Okay, guys, we are in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, okay? So we're going to hit take chapter 5 in two different weeks. We're going to do the first part, verses 1 to 11 today, then we're going to take chapter 5, the rest of it, next week. We uh, Next week, we really got, we're halfway through the study, because after this comes 2 Thessalonians. So we're going to look at verses 1 to 11. Remember, he had been talking to us about the rapture, and now he's going to move on and talk about the second coming. Now, let me just stop for a moment. Some people, remember when I told you about the rapture last week, some people feel that the 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18 talks about the second coming. It doesn't talk about a rapture. Remember I told you that? That's the position of some people? Okay. I don't, I don't believe that, and I'll tell you why. Because if, he, if it was concerning the second coming, Paul would not say what he says as he enters into chapter 5. And what we're, we're going to see, what I'm going to talk about, because he's going to talk about a different subject. It's connected to the rapture. Of course, the rapture is connected with the second coming, right? Okay? But it's a different Topic. So we're going to see what he's saying here. And we're going to see that it's something separate. And he's going to talk about the Lord's return now. Okay? Now, I want you to look with me at verses 1 to 3. He's going to talk about the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord. Okay? But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. Okay, so let's talk about the whole issue of the coming. All right? So now I want you to notice verses 13 through 18 of chapter 4, he's talking about the issue of the rapture. And he says, comfort one another. He's going to enter into a different topic now because if it was all part of the same topic, it would all be part of the same, you know, he would he would just talk about it in terms of the second coming, what he said concerning the rapture. Now he's going to talk about the timing of Jesus' second coming and so forth, some other things about it. So let's look here. First of all, The day of the Lord refers to when God will intervene directly in world affairs. All right, now you might be saying, I got a problem with that, George. Doesn't God intervene in world affairs now? Yes, he does. But not overtly. What do you mean by that? Well, we see God intervening in lives in the world today in small ways. But do you see God intervening the way he intervenes in the book of Revelation? Do you know what I'm saying? Where there are earthquakes and 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 third of the population of humanity are killed. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? In judgment, where boils come upon the unbelievers and they suffer and are tormented for six months. Do you see that kind of thing happening today? No, and it all says, the scripture says that's all God casting, pouring out his wrath on the world. So when we talk about the day of the Lord, we're talking about Jesus, you're talking about God 
inter intervening directly in world affairs. Now, Paul stated that he did not need to address the timing of the Lord, the timing of the day of the Lord with them. He stated that he did not need to address the timing of the day of the Lord with them. So he's saying, look, guys, I don't need to go over this with you again when it will happen. We'd almost like that because we didn't hear him teach us that. Do you know what I'm saying? We just have his letter, okay? But he's saying for them, I don't need to go over that with you, but he's going to be gentle with us. He's going to remind them of some certain things that you and I need to be reminded of, okay? They understood that Jesus is coming will come as a surprise like a thief in the night. Jesus is coming, will come as a surprise like a thief in the night. Now, can I ask you a question? If you knew that Tuesday night at 11 o'clock, somebody was going to break into your house and steal something, what would you do if you knew it was Tuesday night at 11 o'clock? Stay awake or call the cops, okay? Load up the 12, okay? All right? You'd be ready for them, right? You'd be ready. And the fact of the matter is, is that when people break into your house, you're not aware. It comes as a complete surprise, Right? Paul is saying that when Jesus comes, it's going to come as a complete surprise. Do you understand? Like a, like a, a thief in the night. Okay? Like a thief in the night. Jesus' coming will come as a complete surprise. So you need to be aware of that. So let me just stop for a moment. If you just had that one fact, Here's the thing. Jesus talked about coming as a thief in the night. Paul talks about it as coming as a thief in the night. It's throughout the epistles about coming as a thief in the night. Nobody knows. It's going to be a complete surprise. Why do we continue to spend so much time reading and listening to people trying to tell us when it happens? So how many of you remember the billboard campaign? Back in 2012, just four years ago, billboard is going to happen in May. Okay, we drove down to Punxsy. You saw some guy driving around with a mushroom cloud on his car, telling you that Jesus was coming back on May something. Why did we even give them some consideration? Because here's the thing: it's like a thief coming in the night. Nobody knows. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can't predict it. It's going to come as a complete surprise, all right? Now, let's go on. Paul stated that when the day comes, the world will expect peace and safety. The world will expect peace and safety. Here's what's going to happen. When it comes, the world is looking for, and isn't that true? That's what we're doing right now, right? Stop for a moment. You know, you can look at the news through various filters. One of the filters I look at that I always find very interesting is people want security, whether it's job security or personal security. 
Do you understand? People want safety. They don't want their lives in upheaval. They just want to go about their lives, and so they want the government to do whatever it can to make sure that happens, right? Isn't that true? I'm not saying anything political here. I'm just talking about the reality of humanity. That is the, you know what? I've been around the world. That's where everybody lives. We just want safety. We just want security. Paul says that in that day when Jesus Christ comes, they're going to buy. The world is going to, they're expecting peace and security. Why do you think we're spending so much money trying to bring about peace in the Middle East? Because it affects everybody. Right? Affects everybody. And if we could just settle that, then we'll have peace. But think about what we're striving for. Have we ever had peace? I think that I saw a report that said in about 2,000 years of history, there are only 69 years and 2,000 years where there wasn't a conflict somewhere in the world. And that's only probably because it wasn't recorded. Did you know what I'm saying? That's only because it probably wasn't recorded. So Paul stated that when the day comes, the world will expect peace and safety. In fact, I want you to listen to what Matthew 24 says. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 36 and 39. But of that day and of hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that the... Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took away, took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. What is, what is he saying there? People are going to be striving for peace and safety, so they're going to go on with their lives. They're going to be having parties like they normally have. They're going to be having weddings like they normally have. Why? Because no, does anybody ever schedule a wedding in the middle of a war? Well, some do. But normally you don't because you want to invite friends over and celebrate. Jesus said it's going to be just like the days of Noah. In the days of Noah, before the flood, do you think people went about their normal lives every day? Then the flood started. And they were taken away. That's the point here that that we see the Scripture making. Paul stated that when the day comes... The world will expect peace and safety. Now, I want you to notice something about the phrases he uses here. I want you to look at verse 3. The terms they and them reflect the world and the absence of the church. I want you to notice that now, okay? I want you to look with me. Look at verse 3. I'm going to read it to you again. For when they say, okay, Is he talking about himself and believers there? No, he's talking about unbelievers. When they say peace and safety, sudden destruction comes upon them. Again, is he talking about himself and the Corinthian, the Thessalonian believers there? Is he talking about believers? No. This is pointing to the fact that when these things begin and Jesus comes, Christ comes back, We're not going to be here. Do you you understand what I'm saying? 
we're not going to be here. I want you to see that. So Paul points out that sudden destruction, the tribulation, will come upon the world. Sudden destruction will come upon the world. Just want you to see that. Now, here's the implications for the believer. Paul spends the rest of this section, verses 4 through 11, talking about the implications for you and I. And so this is where we're going to spend the rest of our time talking. So notice with me verse 4. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. All right, so let's take a look at this. First of all, their understanding. All right, now stop for a moment. He's talking about the Thessalonians. I need you to recognize he's talking about you as well. Okay? When he's talking about here is the implications for you as well. So let's go through this. Paul points out that they are not unprepared as those who dwell in darkness. All right, so just to help you understand what he's saying here, it's pretty straightforward. I want you to think about the typical person that you interact with during the week who does not care about God, has not read the Bible, has no church background whatsoever, doesn't really care about anything, do they have any understanding about Jesus coming back, when he comes back, do they even care? No. Do you think when he comes back they're going to be totally surprised? Yeah. Yeah, they're going to be completely surprised. What he's saying is, is you're not unprepared like they are. Why? Because you understand. You know. You've been taught. The scripture, when you read it, opens up to you so that faith arises in your heart and you're like, yes, one day, Lord, you're coming back. One day, you're setting all things right. You're not unprepared. Well, I'm just learning this, George. You're still not unprepared because you have the Holy Spirit within you. Do you understand? He gives you understanding. So the first implication is, is you're not like everybody else who's not saved. Because you have an understanding that there's something more. Okay, so, like, okay, stop for a moment. You know, I, I remember, I, I can remember back before I was a believer, back in the late 70s and the early 80s. Some of you can remember back to that time. I was a teenager then, Okay but I was in a military home, all right? And a military culture is different, okay? 
but and, and the and and what happens in the world is amplified in a military culture. So back then, this is before 1989, when the wall went down in Berlin and things changed. Okay, back then we lived with a constant threat of what? Nuclear war. You guys remember those times? The Cold War was in the midst of everything going on. We lived with the... I mean, how many of you can remember back when you were... Some of you were long enough to remember the nuclear war drills in school where you, quote, got under a desk. Like, that's really going to do something. Did you know what I'm saying? Or find the basement. But that's the stuff they did back then, right? That's the stuff they did. And you remember the buildings with the nuclear, the yellow nuclear signs? This is a shelter during... You know, you notice those all disappeared, okay? Occasionally you can find one on an old public building. But but here's the thing. Back then, you, you lived in panic. Now, for you, you're not unprepared. So, like, okay, right now the whole big discussion is Kim Jong-un and, and the whole nuclear thing. Look, Kim Jong-un is not in charge of the end of the world. Neither is Donald Trump. Do you understand? But the point I want you to see is Jesus is in charge of the end of the world. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Al Gore is not in charge of the end of the world. I'm just letting you know. The only person who's in charge of the end of the world is who? Jesus. How do I know that? His word opens up to me. I'm prepared. So listen, like when I hear people say, oh, we're living in the tribulation, that tells me a lot more about your faith and where you are as a believer and your understanding of the scriptures than what's going on in the world. Do you understand what I'm saying? That tells me a whole lot there. Okay? Now, so Paul points out that they are not unprepared as those who dwell in darkness. Let's go on. He stresses... Here's the point. He stresses that believers are the sons of the light and the day, not the children of the dark. Look, folks, you are a child of the light. You are a child of God. Your, your mind has been enlightened to the things of the Lord. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're a child of the light, so you don't have to fear you don't have to, the implication of this is you don't have to fear the wrath that is coming for the children of what? The dark. You don't have to fear that. So believers are not to be indifferent to his coming as they watch and are self-controlled. Now the word sober there can mean, you know, we use the word sober in our culture to talk about being off of drugs or alcohol. But the word there that we use talks really about self-control. So he's saying you're not to be indifferent to the fact that Jesus is coming back, but you're to live your life every day, what? Watching is today the day. And what? Self-control. That is, you got your life under control. You're just not doing whatever you want to do. Because here's the thing. What, isn't it embarrassing? Like... Here, I'll give you a story from my childhood, okay? It's a lot of times, because I had a brother who was 11 and a half months younger than I, you know, when hormones kick in, we get to scrap it. So mom would go to 
She said, I'm going to Winn-Dixie. Winn-Dixie was a grocery store chain in South Carolina. And my mom would say, I'm going to, I'm going to go do some grocery shopping at Winn-Dixie. You boys be good. Well, sooner or later, okay, we would be fussing, nipping, just teenage boy stuffs, and all of a sudden we're coming to blows. And then mom walks in. Do you think we're surprised? Now, sometimes if you're coming to blows, you can stop before mom gets and she'll never know. But then sometimes mom walks in. Did you know, do you understand what I'm saying? And we're caught unawares. And it's embarrassing, isn't it? This is the point of what he's saying about living self-controlled, living soberly, is, is that you're watching, but you're living... Because what if, even if Jesus comes back in the rapture, folks, you're caught in the middle of something. That would be embarrassing, wouldn't it? That's the whole point here, what he's saying. Okay, That's the whole point of what he's saying. That's the implication. Let's go on. Those who sleep are indifferent to his coming and are controlled by their desires. When he's using the term sleep here, he's kind of alluding back to the parable that Jesus gave about the bridesmaids who had the lanterns, you know, and some of them went to sleep, and when the bridegroom came, they weren't ready. That's what he's talking about here. He's talking about if you're living your life controlled by your desires, you're, you're sleeping. You're not really worried about when Jesus is coming back. So they need to be self-controlled by being ready with faith love, and the hope of salvation. That's how you ready your life. You live your life by faith, you live your life by love, and you live your life with the hope of salvation. And notice there, I think it's interesting, verse 8, he likens it to uh, the armor of God. Okay? The armor of God. Now, Here's the reality of salvation. God did not appoint believers to experience wrath, but to obtain salvation through Jesus. Okay, I want you to hear me now. God did not appoint you to experience wrath. That is God's judicial wrath. That's why I know that we're not going to be here for the tribulation. But he appointed you to experience salvation. Now, stop for a moment. You say, well, George... Times are tough right now. I don't know if I can believe that verse. Hold on a second. When he says he didn't appoint you to wrath, that doesn't mean he exempts you from suffering in this world. That's just normal life, right? In fact, elsewhere in the scripture, over and over, it says you're going to suffer. What he's talking about here is you're not going to experience the wrath of what? God in what particular time? The tribulation. Do you understand? That's what he's talking about here. He didn't appoint you to live through that. That's what Paul's saying here. He pointed you to experience what? Salvation. Okay? Salvation. Now, Jesus died for us so that whether we are alive or dead, we will be with him forever. That's the point. He appointed you through his death, to be with him forever. That's the thing that you need to grasp. 
You will always be with him. I don't care what happens. I don't care if tomorrow something catastrophic happens with the economy, something catastrophic happens on the world end, and the USA ceases to exist as you now know it. Maybe we become sort of like one of these TV shows, some dystopia or something. The fact of the matter is, is you still belong to Jesus. You're always going to have Jesus. You will always be with Jesus. Nothing can take that away from you. Nothing. So, here's the encouragement. So once again, Paul called them to comfort and edify each other with these truths concerning Jesus' coming. You and I are really to focus on the issue of his coming as an issue of encouragement and edification. And why would that be? Because a lot of times when I hear discussions about the second coming, or when you look at the books that are being sold and people talking about it, it's almost kind of scary. Have you noticed that? It's almost like, ooh. you got to be, it almost freaks you out. But here he's saying the discussion of Jesus coming back and your exemption from what's going to happen needs to be a point of encouragement and even edification. Why do you think that is? Why do you think we sometimes misread that? Anybody? Okay, that's interesting, Tim. Okay, so you're saying we're trying to make it a part of what we want in, in what sense? Okay, so you're like, we want to be ready for the moment, but not be consistent. Yeah, okay, so we want to know where the line is. Okay, all right, okay. Anybody else? All right, any questions so far? Any questions about what we're talking about? So he said two things in this passage. Number one, he's referring to the unsaved world. They're looking for peace, but it's going to come upon them suddenly. Suddenly, like, notice one of the illustrations he used is like labor pains. Not, not the, not the pre-labor, but the labor pains that come. How many of you knew when the labor pains were coming? Okay. Well, you, you're, okay, one person out of all the others. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm just saying, when you got struck with labor, I know now that we schedule deliveries, okay? I'm not talking about scheduling a delivery. But for a normal court, back in Jesus' day, they didn't schedule deliveries, okay? Okay. Yeah, okay. There is a difference, okay? And you didn't know when that was going to happen, Right? Okay? You didn't know when that was going to happen. This is the point he's saying here. Be aware for the unsaved world is going to completely come on them like a thief. They're going to be totally surprised. But hey, you're not going to be surprised. You're not going to be, be surprised. I think it's interesting. The end of Daniel, Daniel chapter 12, Daniel wants to know more and the angels say to him, look, hey, 
You've been told enough. But as the time gets closer, it's, it's like people will have an understanding. We have enough in the Bible that as the time gets closer, we'll have enough of an understanding. Now, don't write a book. Nobody's going to buy it, okay? You don't have a TV platform. But you're going to be aware. It's coming. It's getting moving closer. Hey, I wake up every morning with that reality. Why? Because it's one day closer. Did you understand what I'm saying? We're one day closer. 